everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm just back from running a one-day workshop in my hometown, Adelaide, and because it's really fresh in my mind, I thought that it would be a good idea to talk about why you might want to run a workshop and how you would go about it. So this week, we're going into the ins and outs of running your own workshop. Hello, Laura. How's it going? I'm really good. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Um, said we should keep that intro. Yes, that's right. I keep on saying we should change it and come up with something a little bit more interesting, but we'll carry on for now, won't we? We met a lovely lady on your workshop yesterday, and she said she likes the introduction. That's right. Um, I had a workshop that wasn't yesterday. It was on Sunday. It was too. (laughs) Time goes so quick. We met one of our podcast listeners at the workshop that I held on Sunday, um, a painting workshop. So yeah, that was really fantastic to actually get to meet someone that listens to the podcast. Yeah. So I guess to, to set the scene, last Sunday I held a painting workshop um, and it was called a nature inspired art workshop. And this is something that I'd been wanting to do for a long time. So it was on my to-do list to run a workshop, but I hadn't quite got around to it. And this weekend, just gone, it happened. And I am still kind of riding the buzz of that opportunity to connect with other artists. And we talked about the importance of this in a podcast episode. So that was episode number 17, and we called it the power of community. Mm. And as I was sitting in the workshop space on the weekend, and I looked around the room, it's like I could just see that community in front of me. Because almost every person that came to this workshop, I'd had some kind of interaction with before. Really? Which was really cool. So these were people that had bought my art, come to an art market, or we'd shared another creative experience together. So there were a couple of friends there that I met many years ago when I first started painting at a workshop with Tracy Verdugo. So it's just amazing how there's all these threads. And as we mentioned before, there was a podcast listener there. And it just felt really good just to see all that connection in front of me and to remember just how important it is to reach out and and chat and meet people in different ways. Well, while you're on that frame of thought then, why would you run a workshop? Or what would possess you to run a workshop? Yeah, well, I suppose I can talk about my own personal experience of why I wanted to run a workshop and how I got there. And for me, working as a painter from home in my studio, from time to time, you know, there's days or weeks where I don't really see many people other than you and the kids. And and so running a workshop for me is a way of kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone, meeting new people, being exposed to different ideas and ways of thinking. So I always come away from something like that feeling energized. It brings more passion back into my painting. I I come away inspired. So one of the reasons to run a workshop is to, to make those connections, new friendships. And it's also... And develop old ones. And yeah, to continue to develop old friendships, to see people maybe that you haven't seen in a while. And it's also for me anyway, it was a way of building my confidence in speaking, leading, talking, all of those things. Mm. And I I started, I guess, a journey of 
building bravery in this area probably over over 10 years ago now. When I was growing up, particularly when I was in high school, I really, I don't know, I don't want to say that I became shy, but I really tried to avoid being in the spotlight. Like I became an expert at avoiding having attention on me. So whether that was being, you know, at the back of the classroom or always sort of being on the periphery of a group or finding ways to go to the toilet or something like that, just I just became an expert avoider. Did you miss out on stuff? I think so. And I don't know where that came from because when I was a younger child, I was quite outspoken and confident, but high school can do weird things to you (laughs) and knock your confidence. And it did that for me. So after I left high school and while I was in university, this continued to be a challenge for me and when I entered the workplace. And so I started to do things to try and help me, I guess, speak up. And this started when I began doing life coaching. I enrolled myself in a course that would really get me talking. Anyway, that was a long time ago now, but it led me to wanting to continue this goal of becoming a better speaker and leader. And one of the ways of doing that is to run gatherings different ways of getting people together. And I've been doing that over the last 10 years. It's a way of gaining confidence. But you get something else out of it, don't you? Because it is rewarding. Yeah. And then, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, I never regret doing something like that. I get nervous, or uh, but afterwards I feel uplifted. It's rewarding and fulfilling. By putting yourself out there, you are encouraging others to do the same. We've all got, I guess, stories and gifts to share. By running a workshop, you can provide a space for people to tap into their own creativity. And that's really fulfilling. We had people at the workshop that hadn't really ever painted before. By running a workshop, you are giving people the opportunity to do something new that could have a really big impact on their life as it did for me when I first attended workshops. I'm very grateful for the workshops that I attended that helped me to go and buy paints and try abstract art and do things that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So it is a gift that you can pass on to others. So on a personal level, they're really, really good to run. But they also make sense business-wise, don't they? Yeah, that's right. So if you are running a creative business or maybe you're just thinking about sort of getting a business off the ground, running events is a really good way of spreading the word about what you do. Uh, It can also provide a valuable income stream. Many artists supplement their income with teaching in some shape or form, you know, whether that be running workshops, retreats, teaching at other events, um, online classes. Teaching can be a really valuable income stream. Uh, so if you have the inclination, it's definitely worth pursuing because it's um, both personally rewarding but can also have a good impact on your business. Yeah. And it's a great way of getting your name out there. It often has a knock-on effect. So the people that come to your workshop are also likely to be the people that might come if you're running an art market, or they might visit your cafe where you have your art on display, or perhaps enroll in an online class. So you don't really know the impact of something like that. It often goes beyond what you initially think. Um, because there are these knock-on effects 
they might tell a friend and, and so on. So it's a really good for word of mouth. You might pick up some techniques or some tips yourself. Well, that's the other great thing about being surrounded by other creatives is that we've all got something to offer. And as I was moving around the room, I was seeing cool things and getting ideas and people were sharing with me supplies that I'd never used before. You walk away with new ideas and techniques that you can put into place as well. So not only are you teaching, but you're also being taught too. I guess that's the reason why you would want to run a workshop. And they're all excellent reasons, but it's hard work or is it hard work? Is it difficult to set one up? Like how, how would you go about running a workshop or an art get together or an art gathering. When we did the podcast episode on the power of community, I actually had a few people contact me afterwards about how do you actually go about this? Like what are the steps that you need to take in order to gather people together to paint or do some other kind of creative activity? So it's actually not that hard. So I thought we could break it down today and give people some ideas around what they could do if they wanted to go down this path. I mean, it's a bit of work. And if you haven't run a workshop before, you're probably going to be nervous and that's natural. So I think the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. So it's about, I guess, building that confidence over time. But these days, there's a lot of great uh, facilities and resources that can help you on this on this road. So it, it is very attainable for people to run a workshop. So let's talk about what you need to do. So the, the first thing that you really need is a space to run your event in. Now, some people are able to run an event in their home. You know, they might have a studio at home that's large enough to accommodate people and they can go down that road. Uh, but for me, I have a fairly small studio, so I needed to find a venue. And we have in Australia a lot of community halls and things like that. So we started researching where we could run this and we found a venue that is actually focused on the arts. So it's an arts and cultural village that has a community hall attached to it. They're usually quite affordable and also very accommodating because they want to encourage local artists to share their um, knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, they were very good. Yeah, so usually what you're going to find is people are really, really excited about what you have to offer because you are in effect providing a community service by running an event where people in that area can come along and get access to the arts. Uh, so once you've sort of looked around, I guess you, you need to think about what you need from a venue for yeah. your workshop. So what type of workshop are you running? So you need to put together a list of the things that are important for you and the kinds of things that you want to be thinking about are how big the venue needs to be. So what size of group are you thinking of running and what, what will you be doing? So if you are painting on big canvases, you're going to need more room if you need easels or big tables. Whereas for the workshop that I was running working on paper, a smaller space would have been sufficient. But we ended up with a kind of medium-sized hole which gave us plenty of room as well. So we didn't feel like we were all on top of each other. I thought it was going to be too big to be honest. Yeah. And then it wasn't until we were packing away, you'd mentioned that it was the perfect size. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's nice to have room to move. Mm. When you've got a large group, it is good to have some extra space. 
you mentioned about the heating and cooling. I mean, that's a huge one, um, particularly if you live in an area that has extremes, you're going to want to make sure that people aren't freezing or sweating. You also want to have a look at the type of flooring. If you're doing anything that's particularly messy, you want to check first of all, that it's okay that you're going to be running that type of workshop in the space and what kind of protection you might need for the floor. So we bought some protection from the local hardware store, um, plastic sheeting that we put down to protect the wooden floors that was in this hole and that worked worked perfectly. So um, that's another consideration because you need to leave the space how you received it. So you need to be mindful of of how you care for where you are holding the workshop. Well, most places will ask you for a deposit, won't they? And yes. Then, you know, they'll they'll then go in and have a look and make sure everything's the way you left it. That's right. So, you know, if you might even need to put protection on walls and things like yeah. that if you're going to be flinging paint around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you just need to be careful, especially if it's carpet or something like that where it's going to be hard to wipe up if, you know, something spills. I've always looked for space that doesn't have carpet for that reason Mm -hmm. Um, because if something does get on a wooden floor as long as you're quick you can wipe it up and make sure that it's all okay there was even though ours was on a sunday and it wasn't that busy but there was still plenty of parking yeah so access and parking is important and thinking about geographically where the hole might be so the place that we chose was reasonably central for people coming from different directions in adelaide where we live um so that's all worth thinking about just looking at what the facility provides so as far as maybe furniture and things like that where we went had really easy access to trestle tables chairs it was just really well set up I did run a workshop once in a venue where the furniture was in the in the basement, basement. Like, but you know, down a really sketchy set of chairs and you felt like everything was possibly going to collapse on you. And it yeah. just, it wasn't ideal. The trestles were very, very old. Some of them were really wobbly and rusted and, and warped. warped and, and we had to carry these really heavy old style tables up this flight of stairs and, and just little things like that. So and, even if the venue is beautiful, make sure that you ease of access to everything else yeah that's right if you are wanting to paint on easels or something like that you may need to either look for a space that runs art workshops so they have easels or else art shops will hire them out so you can hire them so that's another thing that you might want to look into you put on a bit of food yeah so the place that we hired had a kitchen A lot of community halls will have an area where you can have tea, coffee, use the microwave, the oven, fridge. fridge. So you can organize food. You can bring your own food if you want to, or I outsourced and got a local cafe to deliver lunch to us, which is really handy. And I was able to accommodate different dietary requirements um, easily. And and that worked, that worked well. So that's another thing to think about is, is what kind of food you're going to offer. And if you are going to provide food, the important thing is to be very clear and communicate with your participants about what's included and what's not included. You know, if you want to keep the cost 
cost of your workshop down, you may decide to run something that's more informal and where people bring their own food. We've done that before. We used to run these events called paint jams. They weren't workshops. They were informal, arty get-togethers. And we used to all bring a platter and share. So that's that's something that you can do as well. The most important thing is to realise that people need to be fed and hydrated and know what's happening. So they need to know if they need to bring something or you know if you're going to break for lunch people know what the arrangement is if you are expecting that people will go and get their own lunch from a cafe or something nearby that they understand that that's part of the the workshop plan Um, if they're going to have to pay for that again they need to know in advance what's included and what's not you wouldn't really have enough time to go to a cafe oh look it depends you know i've there are workshops where going out for lunch at a cafe is part of the overall experience oh okay yeah. go together as a group yeah so oh, okay, yeah. there there are all sorts of different possibilities for a workshop the important thing is to think about what your participants are looking to get out of it and be very clear about what you're including and offering one thing i noticed before you went and did the workshop is that you were meticulous in your planning. What I did was before I ran this workshop, I actually went and got some advice from my sister-in-law who runs workshops and is an art teacher. So has a wealth of experience in getting people together, helping them to create. So that was really handy. And one of the tips that I got was to start with the outcome in mind and work back from that. So I applied that idea and really thought about what would I like my students to come away with from this? What is it finished pieces of art or is it just a good understanding of the techniques? And once I had established what I wanted them to learn, then I was able to plan the day. And the other great tip that I got was to to have a, a schedule. And you know, I, I was almost, I hate, I don't want to admit this, that I probably was almost going to wing it until I had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so grateful that I did because instead of just kind of having a loose plan, I actually sat down and thought about how long, yeah, and actually had a, a sort of running sheet for the day. Like when would I teach a demo? When would they have the participants have time to try it out themselves? Um, when would we take breaks? And I'd planned the day out so that I could sort of roughly know if we were keeping time and we were going to cover what I had laid out as being you know, the main sort of outcomes for the day. And I tried them out too. Like I tested it out um, with my daughter and just in the studio on my own with my phone and timing it just to see what the timing was like to get an idea Well, how long does it actually take to demonstrate this and how long might it take for participants to have a bit of a play with the idea. The one thing I can say about that is that it makes for a much more relaxing day when you have got a plan, when you know what needs to happen, it brought a calmness to the day. And I didn't feel like I was scrambling at the end, trying to finish, you know, like to cover what I'd intended, everything sort of fit within the day's format. So yeah, I I really think when you are teaching a workshop, uh, it's important to plan it out. You, know, <laughs> you can't believe that I wasn't going yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought you were crazy. You know? Like in, in coaching, we call them session plans. Yeah. You know? Like everybody does one. Yes. You know? Like yeah. it's very rare somebody will wing a session. I thought what you did was, was excellent. Because yeah. when we came home, 
I asked you, you know, how did it go in accordance to your plan? And you're like, yeah, it ran like clockwork. Yeah. And it should have because you'd practiced it. How do you decide what you're going to bring and what the participant is going to bring? Yeah, this is, it's a hard one actually, but you've got to, I guess, consider what your budget is for how much you're going to provide because art suppliers aren't cheap. If you offer to bring everything depending on what it is, you might find that that becomes very expensive depending on how many people that you are in, you know, having to your workshop. So what can be good is to provide a bit of a mix. So you bring some things, but maybe just give the participants one or two things that they need to bring. It depends on the workshop. For some workshops, it's easy to provide everything. But if you're, for example, if you were doing a, a big canvas, canvases are expensive and also you know paints can be quite acrylic paints can be quite pricey so often what I see out in the marketplace is you bring the canvas and maybe some brushes or something like that I'll provide the paints so there's almost like a a compromise there middle ground Mm. and that's what I did as well so I asked the participants to bring their brushes also to bring the paper the watercolor paper that they wanted to use but I brought my own paints so I shared my inks and watercolors one of the reasons I did that was to make it easy for the participants so that they didn't have to decide what to bring and come with mountains of stuff and also because I wanted to challenge the participants to work with a more limited palette because that is something that I strongly believe in and I practice in my own art and I wanted them to have less to think about in terms of color and supplies so that they could really focus on the technique and I think this approach of less is more is really valuable in a workshop setting so think about what you want to teach and then probably halve it like strip it back strip strip back what you're going to teach and also what supplies you're going to use minimize it well if you're planning it on a time scale you'll find that you'll be stripping it back anyway yeah because you have to remember and i had to remind myself of this i've been painting now for seven years and a lot of the techniques that I've that I use, I've built up over hours and hours and hours of practice. You know, you can't cram that in to one day. You can't teach seven years of painting in a day. But you kind of want to. Like you, yeah. you feel like you want to give so much. Um, but you have to remind yourself that that's not possible, that it takes time and consistent practice. And so with that in mind. I really had to go back to basics. Often you'll find that you have a bit of a mix of experience in your participants. So you're going to have people that have never painted before. And it's really important that you, it's really important that you uh, you provide a way to, I guess, access painting that is gentle and encouraging if you've never painted before. Yeah, something that doesn't overwhelm you. Yes, you don't want to be overwhelming people. You want them to walk away feeling like, wow. I can do that. I can do this. That's, this, that's not that hard. And yeah. you know what? I can go, I could buy a few paints. I don't need to buy, have it all. I don't need a big space or, you know, a set of 50 watercolours or yeah. anything like that. You so, want them to leave itching to get home to yeah. keep on painting. Yeah. And then what you can do is 
if you pay attention while you're in the workshop, you'll be able to get a sense of where people are at. So if there are people that are further along in the path, then you you can maybe provide them with something extra that they could consider. So it's all about really tailoring the workshop to the participants that you have. And there are always ways that you can, I guess, provide a little bit of advanced instruction while you're there for Mm -hmm. people that perhaps are looking for that little bit extra. But I think the best thing is to start with the basics. And that's the good thing about having a larger space, Mm. isn't it? Is that you can get round to people Mm. real easily. Yes. And you can give advanced tips to one person and spend a little more time with somebody else. And that brings me actually to a very important point. And that is on the day to really like check in with yourself about where your head's at like what sort of mental space you're in. Because when you run a workshop, it's not your day, it's their day. It's really super, super important above probably everything else to notice what's happening, to get around to every person in the room and appreciate the fact that they have taken time out of their busy lives. They have made the decision to come and do a workshop with you and that your responsibility is to give them that time and to hold space for them. The only thing that I made sure you did was in order for you to be able to give your best was to make sure that you ate, you were hydrated and you were well rested Yes. going into that uh, workshop. So you would have the energy then to, to push on with the day. Yeah, they're really important things. So don't underestimate getting a good night's sleep the night before an event, making sure you have your water bottle topping up throughout the day. And it can be a really good idea just to switch your phone off or I was using my phone for music. So I had it connected to the speaker, which meant I didn't have my phone at all near me and I could just be in that room with my participants, enjoying the day with them. I love listening to music when I create. So the playlist was actually quite important to me. And I was like, I had a playlist, which was kind of super relaxing that my daughter had put together, very kind of artsy. But when I listen to music, I actually really like listening to like classic rock and pop songs and things like that. So I put together Uh, what I love to listen to, which had things like Fleetwood Mac, stuff like that. And yeah, it went down well. (laughs) (laughs) How could it not? I just want to ask a quick question. Is it possible to run a workshop with somebody else? Yeah, well, you could certainly partner up with someone and run a workshop. And that's a way, I guess, of sharing the load and probably easing the pressure a little bit. If you decided to do it with someone else, it's nice to have someone to bounce the ideas around with in the preparation stage. And I have a retreat coming up, which I'm running with another artist, Dolene Walker, and I'm really enjoying having someone to to share that experience with. Another possibility as well is that you could run a workshop in a studio space where they help you with aspects of the workshop. So with this workshop that I ran, I organized the whole thing. So organizing the marketing, um, the venue, what we would be teaching, the food, the music, every little detail. I did myself, but you can be a guest teacher for a studio or dedicated creative space. And with those kind of arrangements, mainly what you are doing is teaching and they take care of the food, the venue, the marketing, even taking the payments 
for the registration. And how do you go about doing that? Do you, do you just send an email to one of these studios? Or? Most of these places will have some kind of application process. Um, you can contact, just do a Google search in the area for workshops, art workshops, and you'll find venues like this. They are usually itching to find new options for their students. So that's a, that's a way of doing that takes certainly takes the pressure off. So even though you run online tutorials, you've even done some one-on-one coaching, you know an awful lot about art. You have a very successful art business. But I noticed when you were getting ready for this course that a little bit of nerves, which is normal, you know, you get a little bit nervous, mm. you want it to go well. So if someone like you can get nervous just before a workshop, what must it be like for someone that's just going to have their very first ever workshop? What do you do confidence-wise? Like, do you have any suggestions or...? Yeah, well, it is nerve-wracking and I certainly do feel that whenever I put myself out there in that kind of way, whether it's a workshop or speaking at an event or anything like that, I always feel nervous. It never fully goes away, but over time what I have found is that I am becoming more comfortable with that feeling. Years ago, that feeling used to make me feel ill, like really run out the door and hide somewhere and hope this goes away. I really didn't have confidence in those kind of situations and it was a real problem for me. One of the things that I did was actively recognise that this was a problem for me and start finding small ways to build my confidence over time. So I'm not really an advocate of throwing yourself in the deep end. Some people are, but I'm more about building bravery with little steps on a daily basis because that's what's worked for me. And it can start with just getting comfortable talking about your art. So that could be just having a conversation with a with someone at a party or you know someone that you meet at a workshop or an event or a market not something that you're running but just someone that you meet and have and actually start talking about what you do and explaining it because that actually is quite hard when you first start is actually saying I'm an artist and this is what I do and showing someone maybe your work on Instagram that used to make me nervous so I started with just little things like that and then you can get get comfortable with gathering people together and start with your friends. I began with a small group. It was my sister, my sister-in-law and my sister's sister-in-law. sister-in-law. <laughs> so it was a sisterhood. Yes. <laughs> so I started with people that were close to me that I was comfortable with and we began catching up at each other's houses and just enjoying painting and sharing our art experiences. Then we decided to expand that and we began running the paint jams where we invited other people that we had met through our art. We began opening that up to people that we didn't know. So friends of friends started to come and it became... Got pretty uh, big. Yeah, it actually became quite big. Through that process, what I learned was how to organise an event. Now, it was informal. It wasn't a workshop. It didn't involve teaching or instruction. It involved just getting people together and letting people just pretty much do what they wanted. But what you were providing was a space for that to happen. But with that, what I did have to do was organize a venue, figure out what we were going to do for food, make sure we had the insurance that we needed. Some venues you can pay and they'll add you on to their insurance, which I think is what we did with the paint jams. I don't think I had my own insurance at that point. And just the details, inviting people, 
working out what was going to happen, getting the furniture, protecting the floors, thinking about how people were going to wash up their paints, all of that sort of stuff. So it got me comfortable with that. Because there's no pressure when it's art gathering as opposed to a paid workshop. Even at the beginning of those workshops, um, my sister and I, we did run them. And so we would introduce ourselves and do the kind of intro part. So we weren't doing instruction, but we were doing, I guess, the hosting. So I started to get comfortable with hosting groups and... Because I was doing it with my sister, I was also, I guess, sharing the load. So we were partnering up and we talked about how you can do that as another way of building your bravery. Partner up with someone so that you've got someone to kind of encourage you along the way. And then you can start with a small workshop. You might even just do a session, not even a full day, but just perhaps a volunteer or you could go over to a school or something like that and do a demonstration. So I've always sort of kept my eye out for opportunities to build my confidence. And I did that with our son's kindergarten. Again, you're talking about what you do and you're sharing your knowledge and demonstrating something and that all helps over time. Uh, Another thing I did, you know, many years ago was do a live painting session. So every time these things would come up, I would say yes and I'd feel nervous, but I would remind myself that these are the things that are going to help me over time. Every time I did something, I knew that it was going to build my bravery just a little bit. Over a period of time, the change has been enormous and it's felt gentle because I haven't thrown myself in the deep end. I've chipped away at it over time. Talking of progression from going over to Asher's kindergarten, the sisterhood of painting, the group get-togethers, workshops, and now, ultimately, Bali retreat. That's progression right there. Yeah, that's right. And so in a month's time, I'm going to be running a six-day, seven-night painting and uh, I guess cultural experience in Bali because I've been back to Bali since the first time I went to Bali so to really like try out all the things that we're going to be doing and I can't wait to get back Um, I just something about Bali really got under my skin particularly the second time when I went in a good way in a good way, which is when you guys didn't come. Yes. <laughs> so maybe that's what it was. Oh, hang on a second. You had an amazing time when we weren't there. Oh, I get it. <laughs> when now. I went on my own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just the idea of spending a week with others, immersing myself in my creativity and then seeing others do the same with theirs and painting, relaxing, not having to think about day-to-day stuff, like not having to pack kids' lunches or go do grocery shopping, but just to spend time doing what you love and then in between the painting, going and doing a bit of shopping, you know, having a swim in the pool, just looking around, going for a walk in the local village, experiencing the culture. And it's just, it's such a different place, like just the smells and the... Even where it's located, because like it's right in the middle of Bali farmland. Yeah. Like it's not in the city, it's it's way outside. It's fantastic. Yeah, so it's it's super exciting and all these little steps have led me to this place of running the retreat. These little steps have led me to running this retreat in Bali. Is that workshop full now? So the retreat is not full. There are two spots left. It's coming up in a month's time and 
yeah, we would love to have two other participants join us. Can I be one of them? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, so if you are feeling like taking a break and really spending some time with your creative self, getting to know a whole bunch of other creative souls, making connections that are going to last Mm. a long time. And these are the people, the people that you meet, they're the people that are going to continue to support you well after the retreat has ended. These are friends that you're going to make that are going to cheer you on when you have your art successes, but also encourage you when making art is hard. So that's what I'm most excited about is the people that I'm going to meet and just being able to spend that dedicated time because life gets in the way all the time and so to be able to dedicate a week I just can I can only imagine just how much good work you can get done in that space of time so if you could give someone out there that's thinking about it they want to run a workshop or they want to create a group Mm. if you could give them just one bit of advice what would it be my advice would be to start small and do it now. <laughs> Get on your phone, uh, shoot a message out to a few people that you know, maybe invite some friends over or even put something on your social media that you're looking to create a gathering. You might not even do painting. You might actually just want to catch up with some people over a coffee somewhere. My advice would be to start laying the foundation to running a workshop in the future but be mindful that these steps will help you get there um that you can begin planning your workshop and you can think of um these catch-ups as being part of that journey what i would like to leave people with is is that it's doable it's actually it's not that hard so my other piece of advice because i i don't know did you ask me for one thing yeah i always ask you (laughs) You always ask one and i I am a bit of a like it's funny that i should say i had to do all these things to become better at leading and talking because i'm actually a bit of a talker aren't i (laughs) 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 i can never stop once i start uh but anyway that's what you find (laughs) when you let this out or when you finally let your voice out the other thing that I found really helpful was to plan. So you're going to feel a lot calmer and at ease on the day if you know what you're doing and you have everything written down and you take the time to plan the day out and cover all your bases. So yeah, proper preparation pays off. So start small and start now. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you are enjoying what we are doing, we love reading your reviews and you can also share Instagram stories. That really helps us and we love it. So thank you very much.